reading today from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 14. I'm only going to lift out of this five words, because, and this will be more meaningful as the year goes on. For what is your life? What is your life? And then in Jeremiah 24, 1 through 7, the Lord showed me, and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. You see that before the temple of the Lord? After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And that is just, to me, it, it, it's compelling. It just grabs me when I read these words. The Lord said to me, what do you see? Wait a minute. God just showed Jeremiah a basket of figs, one good, one bad. It's God that did it. He's the ultimate communicator, right? You ever have trouble communicating with somebody and you say something they don't understand or misunderstand? If anybody can get his point across, God can, right? <laughs> but even God has to ask, what do you see? Because the problem is not on the part of the communicator, it's on the part of the one receiving the communication. That no matter how articulate God may be, that when we hear him, we might not always understand what he's saying. This is exactly why. If you've ever been perplexed by the problem that there are so many that fight each other in religion and in faith, this one believes this and one believes that, and, and you have churches that are, won't talk to each other and pastors that hate each other and different schools of theology that are vociferously opposed to one another, sectarianism, you know, all these different religions and everything out there. You say, how can all of that be? God told me this. And somebody else said, no, he didn't because he told me this. Wait a minute. God speaks clearly, but the problem is we don't always hear clearly. So God has to ask, what do you see? And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judea or from Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good. Boy, there's a text I'll preach from someday. I sent them out for their own good hmm. into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. What a promise. And then in 3 John, which only has one chapter, I'll read a couple, several verses here that, that I won't spend as much time today with. For example, these in Jeremiah, I'm not going to really deal with that much today, but it will be more meaningful next week. But look at this in, in 3 John, verses 2 and 4. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Everybody say, all, all things. things. Not some, not most, all. 
Say it with me. All. 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 I'm going to ask you like God did. Jeremiah, what do you see? Because there's a lot of folk that read this Bible that don't think God wants you to prosper in all things. Okay? That you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in truth. I have great, no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And then in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and 17, Paul is exhorting his son Timothy to command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Now what I really want to focus on is not the negative aspects of that, but it's the positives that I'm going to accentuate for what Paul is saying is that, and remember he was Jewish, and Jewish people oftentimes emphasize a positive by first putting it alongside a negative, to juxtapositioning the positive beside the negative to show you the vividness of the contrast between the two. So what he's really saying is, trust in the living God who gives us richly, say it, all things to enjoy. Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Father, I pray that you will speak to us. This is important to everyone who is here. We want to know what you would speak and what you would say to our hearts. Give us ears to not just hear, but ears to understand, hearts to understand, minds that can wrap themselves around the teachings of your word and assimilate them into our daily lives. We ask for your glory. For your name's sake, and everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. We are excited as a people and as a church because this is our time to build the dream. And I'm not just talking about a new sanctuary either. I want to keep for a theme this year, build your dream. We talked about in the campaign, build the dream the dream of a new sanctuary, let's leave that for a little bit and let's talk about building your dream that you can live the life you've always wanted. This is our year to build a dream of the lives we've always wanted. Amen. And so in our text in Jeremiah, we find that God has Jeremiah at the entrance of the temple and he sees these two baskets of figs that I'll refer to as I mentioned next week. These two baskets of figs are vivid word pictures. And again, we'll get into more, uh, more into that a little bit later. But they speak to Jeremiah about the future of the nation. Like Jeremiah standing there that day waiting to hear from God. We have come here to hear what does God have to say about CT, our future, our destiny, our lives. Amen. What's going to happen and unfold before us in this coming year? And I, I do want to speak to that because I do believe God has a word for us. To help us understand and frame this, I would point out to you that according to the Jewish people, they believe that God at the beginning of their new year literally causes everyone to pass under his extended rod of judgment and, and government. That's what that means. When I say judgment, I mean government. 
that God extends a rod in his hand and causes every human being on the face of the planet to pass under it and then speaks a word over every life regarding what will come to pass in that life in the coming year. That has long been a central element of Jewish theology and teaching. Many Christians are not aware that, that the Judaic Christian faith, our faith that grows out of Judaism, has that in its foundation and in its roots. It's perfectly within the context of what is normal and just that we should then seek to know what does God have to say about us. I would say this about everyone passing underneath God's rule of, of government, that the Lord has plans for us. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, Jeremiah 29. I wouldn't want you to fear because that might make some people afraid. Oh, no, the shoe's going to drop this year. I'm past, God's pronounced over my life some terrible, uh-uh, no, that's not what he's talking about. I want to assure you that God's plans for your life this year are better than your own plans for your life. Amen. And that what God has to say about you is, is going to bless you more than you could ever bless yourself. God wants you to, to be blessed more than you want to be blessed personally. And I would say this, that there's always that, that, that pivotal little two-letter word, if, that is involved. If we will do our part, God will certainly do his. Many people believe that the sovereignty of God precludes any act on our part that can influence God or the outcome of anything that occurs. That's not so. God's sovereignty makes him say as sovereign God, I will bless you if you do certain things. I have set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Choice is yours, which one it will be. Depends on what you do with it. it. Prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. If, if, always that word if, God waiting on us to do our part. And the reason that he's like that is he doesn't want us to turn into just a bunch of lazy people sitting around. Oh, God's going to bless me regardless of what I do. You got to work for your blessing. Amen. I mean, no parents that, that, that wants to raise decent children is going to give them everything that he wants them to have. He's going to find a way to engage them in the process of working for what he's already determined to give them. Amen. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You wanted to give it to them anyway. You can just figure out a way to engage them in the process so they can feel ownership for it and they can work toward it. You make, that makes their lives more meaningful. And as a people, uh, we believe, as I said, the beginning of a new year is a time of new beginnings, and that grows out of that Jewish theology. And it's a way to start all over again for, for people that have had some bad things happen in their life in the course of the past year, some failures of one kind or another, a bankruptcy or dealt with an issue in their life that, you know, this is a way to bring closure to it and say, that's gone. Amen. I'm at the start of a new year. Just as Jeremiah was at the house of God and God set before him these two basket of figs that did speak to the destiny of the nation of Israel, as we will address later, we are at the house of God today to hear what he will speak to us. And in being here today, we are not unlike the nation of Israel was when they stood 
at the banks of Jordan's River after 400 years of captivity and another 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were about to enter their promised land. Amen. And they were about to see their dreams of living in that promised land come to pass. But what I've come today to tell you is that the real dream wasn't the promised land. It was the lives they were going to build in the promised land. Amen. The real blessing wasn't the house. It wasn't the property, the vineyard. It wasn't the whale they were going to inherit from God. It was the new life. The life they had dreamed about as slaves, the life they had dreamed about in captivity, the life they had hoped for, aspired to, but were unable to gain access to, that new promised land was more about life than it was about possessions, and I wish I could hear an amen right now. And I feel like what the Holy Spirit has sent me to tell Christian Tabernacle is that this year God's going to help us build the dream of the lives we've wanted to live. This is your year for your dream for your life to come to pass. Amen. And again, I'm not just talking about a sanctuary. God by nature is a creator and therefore he is a builder. And Satan, on the other hand, lacks the ability to create. All he can create is division and confusion, and he does that not by really creating anything, but by taking away the peace that God already put there and allowing division to remain in its place. So Satan is not a creator. God's a creator, and by virtue of being a creator, he is a builder. Now, Satan, on the other hand, is by nature a destroyer. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. And I could say it like this. While God is into building, Satan is into destruction. Amen. That's what he's into. Some of us have, have experienced the impact and negative impact of some of the destroying efforts of the enemy in our lives. But I can tell you this, nobody who has ever been there, who's ever gone through loss, intentionally set out to end up there. Nobody ever wants, chooses deliberately to have their life messed up. I wish I could hear an amen right now. Let me say it like this. No one intentionally chooses a life of pain or disappointment. Nobody says, oh, yeah, hey, man, praise God, 2015. I'll choose some more pain this year, Lord. Thank you. I don't know anybody that's done that. Nobody does that to my knowledge. People don't read the options in life that are available to us like they might the menu at Papacitos and say, God, for an appetizer, I'll take a divorce. For the main entree, give me cancer well done with a side of bankruptcy and hold the joy. And for dessert, I'll have the kids on drugs with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Nobody I know does that. Amen. We don't choose to have lives that are disappointing. And for Israel, building the dream wasn't about choosing just a property. It was about being at a place where they could then build the lives that they wanted. It wasn't just about lands that flowed with milk and honey, which is the way the scripture described their inheritance. Their promises were more about the life they would live once they got there. And real success in having a life that is fulfilling is always more about the life you live than the things you get. Mm -hmm. 
little quiet right there, but I just uh, say my own amen and put an exclamation mark. Amen. It's, it's really more about the life you live than the things you get. Things only have value when they make your life more meaningful and enable you to enjoy it more. Now, don't misunderstand because I'm not here to, to talk about things as them being something negative. To the contrary, what I want to show you is there is a God that wants your life to be so blessed that he's going to give you some things in the process Amen. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy, that men should trust in God who gives us all things to richly to have and to enjoy. Tell somebody, I'm going to enjoy it too. Amen. You see, I know folk that have stuff and they're not enjoying it. But I'm going to have it and enjoy it in the process. That's, that's the difference here today. Amen. As we seek God, as we enter this new year, uh, we know that we could never do as well at building the lives we want to live, the dreams of our lives as we can if God helps us. The dream of family, friends, financial stability, businesses, careers, and education, we can't do as well with that as, as we can if God helps us. Psalms 127 and verse 1 said it, unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. But the good news is I've come to tell you that God is going to help you build the life you've always dreamed of. Amen. And because we do so much better with God than we could ever possibly do without him in building the lives we want to live, that what I, I really want to say is we need two things to accomplish this. We need his wisdom and we need his favor. Amen. We need God's wisdom and we need God's favor. James chapter 3 speaks of two types of wisdom, that which is of the earth and is carnal, and then that which is from above and is godly. Amen. You see, wisdom, both in the carnal and in the, the, the spiritual dimension, provides access. Oh, now, I'm going to preach. I just already feel it working. Amen. And wisdom provides access, and you couple that with favor, and you have wide open access. Now, now I don't know if you've ever had access denied to you in your life where you wanted to get into certain things. Happened to me on the computer just yesterday. I got an email where they were advertising something about genealogies and family trees, and, and they, they threw out this little tidbit out there, and I had several emails that had to do with things similar to this, and, and when you, you'd open it up, and you'd go to a couple of places, and they were giving you this, this, this information that was tantalizing, and then when you really wanted, and they had details available, when you wanted to do that and you clicked on the link, it said access denied because you got to buy a membership to be able to get to the good stuff. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, just enough to get you going and all worked up. No, I'm going to find out what's next. And, and you click on the hyperlink and then access denied. Eh, you're not getting in there unless you put some money on the table. All of us have been to places where we couldn't have access. 
And many of us have experienced that in terms of our dreams. The word that I've come to tell you today is God is bringing favor and his wisdom into your life in 2015. Access is going to be permitted. Access is going to be permitted. And you need access and you need wisdom to get there. You do. You need wisdom. You heard about Boudreaux and his two buddies trying to get into the Olympics? They wanted to get into the Olympic Village. So Boudreaux and his two buddies were standing there watching. They saw this big hulking guy walk up to security at the Olympic Village carrying his athletic duffel bag. He had bulging biceps, a 19 and a half inch neck. And he said to the security guards, I'm Angus McPherson, man. And he said, I'm from Scotland, shot put. And the security team looked in his bag, saw a huge shot put ball, waved him right on through. They gave him room keys, even meal coupons, tickets to the Pizza Hut, coupons for McDonald's, and even the Haagen-Dazs ice cream court. Amen. So these three guys said to themselves, Boudreaux and his two buddies, cool, we can do this, yeah. And so the first one sneaks outside, slices the branches off of a tree limb and comes back in and says to the security guards, Chuck Wagon, Canada Javelin. And so the guards inspect his javelin that he's just made, hand him a bulging envelope with his athletic pass, room keys, meal ticket, everything. Obviously, this was pre-9-11, I'm sure. Amen. And he goes in. The second guy goes down an alley, pries loose a manhole cover, puts it under his arm, marches up to the front gate, and announces himself, Dusty Rhodes, Australia, discus, Amen. Welcome to the Olympics, Mr. Rhodes, they said. So these two guys who have managed to get in the inner sanctum loiter around waiting for their buddy Boudreaux to show up. And a few minutes later, here he comes. Boudreaux walks up painfully, ouch, as he's walking toward the front gate. And he's got a huge roll of barbed wire painfully tucked under his arm. And the guard said, who are you? And he said, Boudreaux, Louisiana, USA. Fencing. <laughs> access denied. If you're going to gain access, you have to have wisdom to get to the next level. The word that I have come to share is God is going to smile and cause heavenly wisdom and favor to be poured out upon Christian Tabernacle in 2015. I'm talking to somebody. What you've dreamed about all of your life is going to come to pass. This year, you are on the verge of a breakthrough. Your dreams are going to be made reality. Amen. It's better to have access through wisdom and favor than it is to have money. Because if you have wisdom and favor, you can always get money. Amen. You see, what I need to do right now is correct a couple of thinkings and a couple of thoughts that exist in people and in the church regarding things, amen, possessions. Number one, people who think that blessings are just about receiving things are usually people who have never had very much in their lives, and they grow up struggling and doing without, and instead of assessing the real causes of their misery 
and working to correct the dysfunction that has held them back, they find it easier to blame their unhappiness and problems on the lack of resources rather than a lack of heaven's assistance and wisdom. So they think if I can get some resources, it fixes everything. You can have resources until you can't climb over them and still be miserable and not living the life you want to live. But when you have divine favor and wisdom from above, hello, somebody. I want to tell you, resources will come and all the rest of it will too. One thing that people that do not understand resources do is they take it for granted. Listen, this is profound, that their problems are the result of their predicament rather than seeing that their predicament is usually the result of their problems. Think about it. Amen. And so they don't realize that people with resources can struggle with dysfunction also. In fact, it has been my experience, and I've met a few along the way, who really have resources with a capital R. Amen. They seem to have it all. And when you get close enough, you realize they're frequently more miserable than those who don't have resources. Because resources in themselves do not automatically make you happy. Am I talking to anybody right now? But when you have divine favor and divine wisdom, oh, listen to me. It don't matter where you land, you land on your feet because God is your source. And it doesn't matter what happens in the world. Doesn't matter what's going on in the stock market because that's not your source. God is your source and he makes you prosper. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You become like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth your fruit in season. Your leaf does not wither and whatsoever you do prospers. That's a word for somebody this year. Whatever you do is going to prosper. This is your year to build the dream of the life you've always wanted. Amen. It's a word for somebody. You're planted beside rivers of living water. Doesn't matter whether there's drought going on around you or not. Doesn't matter whether there's hell and chaos on every side. Your roots go down into the earth and the river of life causes its refreshing stream to go up through your roots into your trunk into your branches, into your leaves. And while the rest of the world is struggling, you're bearing fruit because you see, you're not depending on the same thing they're depending on. God is your source. When you have favor and you have wisdom, it doesn't matter what the circumstances of the world are like. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're blessed anyway. Did you hear what he said? Whatsoever you do will prosper. Doesn't make any difference what time it is. I am planted by the rivers of life. I'm going to prosper. Whatever I do is going to flourish. Let me see. Do I do this, that, or the other? Well, it really doesn't matter. I'll just do all of them and they all prosper. Amen. Because God is opening access to me. 
I need somebody to say it. This is my year for access. Paul is really exhorting the believers to do in 1 Timothy 6 and 17 what I'm talking about. He is saying to not be one-dimensional. He's saying to trust God for everything comes from God. And if you trust him and he gives you favor and access or wisdom, then every area of your life is going to be blessed. He gives us all things to have and enjoy. He gives us all things richly. Amen. Some of the most unhappy people in the world, as I said earlier, are those that make the mistake, a profound and life-shattering mistake, in fact, the mistake of thinking just material substance is going to satisfy me. I've tried to tell you during these years that your life really consists of seven different constituent or component parts, seven different dimensions of your life. There's the physical component that has to do with your physical well-being, the spiritual aspect, which is your relationship with God. The cognitive facet of your life is your intellectual ability, your ability to be educated, to learn all of these things. The social component is important because no man is an island unto himself. The poet preacher John Donne said that many years ago, no man is an island. Every man is a part of the continent, a part of the main. For therefore, therefore we should not ask for whom the bell tolls, for it tolls for thee, he went on to say. The social component is important in our lives. The emotional aspect of our lives is, is important, as is the financial dimension and the family component. It's tragic that so many of us in living think that if we can have only one, we'll choose the financial and the that will fix the other, and it doesn't. Doing well in one area of your life does not fix what's broken in all of the others. Trust me. And if you have adequate finances, it might eliminate your struggle to survive day by day, but they don't fix a broken marriage. Amen. I need a better amen. Amen. They don't fix your kids when they're strung out on drugs either. No, they don't. There are many people who have things that are miserable. Possessions don't fix the emotional component of your life either. They don't necessarily give you good friends. In fact, they give you friends that are dutable. They make you doubt your friends. You find friends showing up that you didn't know were your friends because now you got a little something. And, and after they leave, you don't have as much as you did before they came. And, and you know what I'm talking about? They're not really your friends at all. Uh, <laughs> amen. So having good friends, if that's what you've got going for you, doesn't really solve your health problems either. Either won't make cancer go away, for example, or fix a heart condition. Obviously, then the ideal is to understand that what God really wants is for you to be whole and blessed in all seven areas of your life. That's what I'm here to release over this church today. Not just a financial blessing, but I'm here today to speak a word over you that favor and access are coming. Divine wisdom is coming that's going to cause your life to be fulfilled. The dream of the life you've always wanted to live. This is your year to build your dream. Amen. As I move on and just before I finish, this book is amazing to me. The Bible is extraordinary. Psalms 19 and 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I'm amazed that so many people in church don't know that. 
I mean, they know the verse, but they don't know that. And yet, I'm amazed at the number of people outside the church that know this, that don't know the God that caused it to be written. People in the church, and I'm not knocking this, will go and spend $150, $300 to attend a seminar by Tony Robbins or Les Brown or Rudy Giuliani or somebody like that, talk about leadership and success principles. And to be honest, it's usually money that is well spent. But you know when you go hear those guys, you know what they're doing? They're borrowing success techniques and principles from the Scripture. In other words, they're reading our mail, amen. They're not even acknowledging where they got it from, but they're basically recycling biblical truth and making it palatable to a world that wants to leave the God component out. Some of them, to their credit, will work the God thing in before it's all said and done. And I admire that. But here's what's distressful to me as a pastor. It's that while they're out there preaching our stuff, we got folks sitting on our pews that don't even read it for themselves. And I mean, they're, they're reading your mail and you're not even bothering to read it. And to hear it, you got to go hear them tell you what was in your letter. Your email from God, you got to go hear it from somebody else. I want you to understand that many people in the church have never figured out this whole thing about being blessed yet. Oh, they haven't. They haven't figured it out yet. There are those in the church that still struggle to understand how God wants us to be blessed in every area of our lives. And for them, they think that real blessings are only spiritual in nature. That's right. Anything else outside of being spiritual, eh, it's not important. Uh, I, I beg to differ with you. God is concerned about all seven dimensions of your life and your existence, not just one. Help me out before I, I get done here today. And there are others that actually believe we're supposed to struggle to get to heaven. I'm serious. Endure to the end. I used to hear stuff when I was a kid in church like, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. How many of y'all ever heard that in church? Baby, I got God. I'll never get to the end of my rope. His rope stretches out into the endless ages. I got help and resources you, you don't have. I don't need to tie a knot at the end of my rope. I've got a God that said he's with me. Amen. Oh, Lord. When I pass through the waters, he'll be with me. I got a God that doesn't leave me and he never forsakes me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, you can take me and throw me any way you want to, but I'm like a cat. I'll land on my feet. I got a God that's watching out for me. I got his favor in my life. And amen. But there are people in the church that still are their own worst enemy because they think that you can't be blessed unless it's a spiritual blessing. And I know some that are even openly hostile to blessings that are not spiritual. Oh, that, that'll ruin your life. That'll mess you up, man. I mean, you're not supposed to be blessed. And at best, they view resources as a distraction. And in most cases, they view them as a seductive force for evil. And so they're, they're highly skeptical of material blessings. And, and they, they don't even realize it, but they circumvent their own blessing by narrowing God's focus down 
where he can only bless them in one area of their life. And God says, hey, I really want to bless you in all seven. But get away from me with that, that blessing stuff, you know. And, and then on, on the other hand, I've got some that I, I know are members of our church too. I mean, we have all that right here. They stoically accept whatever our status in life is at that moment and attribute that to where God and his sovereignty wants us to be. Hmm. Let me talk about that. I'm where God wants me to be. He's sovereign. If he wanted me to do better, I'd be doing better. Oh, do you really believe that? Uh, amen. Like I said earlier, God is sovereign and he does want to bless you, but he, he wants you to be involved in helping cause your blessing to become a reality. Amen. If you do this, I will open the windows of heaven. Amen. And pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive. God's promises are always contingent upon our involvement as a sovereign God. He made it that way. And having described those different viewpoints, some who, who view uh, material blessings as being highly skeptical and suspicious, and they're suspicious of them, Others who are even openly hostile to them and others who would have us just stoically accept whatever's in your life right now. It must be the will of God or it wouldn't be there. I hold a different view and I want you to know that. I believe that God delights in blessing us and elevating our lives and that by doing so, he enables us to be a living testimony to his greatness. Amen. The God I know lifts the poor out of the dust and the needy out of the ash heap to set him among princes. I'm talking about this year. God wants to make you be a testimony for who he is and what he can do. And this is the word that I've come to deliver. This, I'm talking to some of you. You've gotten excited when others had a testimony. You heard about somebody else's testimony. You get all thrilled when somebody else gives their testimony. But I want you to know this year God's going to give you a testimony. He's going to let you know how great he is. You don't have to hear it from somebody else. And no matter what you got going for you, there's nothing like a testimony. Paul had two PhDs by the time he was 22 years of age, the equivalent thereof, studied at the feet of the greatest scholars of his day, the equivalent of getting a PhD from both Oxford and Harvard University, if you please. And yet when Paul stood before kings and princes, when he stood before governors, you know what he did? He didn't reach back for his theology that he learned whenever he was at the feet of Gamaliel. He didn't reach back for his courses in debate and how to approach things from a, a, a scientific or rational perspective when he stood before Agrippa. No, no, no. You know what Paul did? Paul got his testimony and pulled it out because when you tell somebody what God has done for you, it makes God be real in their lives. And I'm here today to say to Christian Tabernacle, this is your year for God to give you a testimony. God's getting ready to show up in somebody's lives and, and somebody's going to build the dream of the life they've always wanted. Amen. Amen. When a devoted believer who acknowledges the lordship of Christ in his life 
is really enjoying his life, it greatly impacts those who don't know God and lends credence to our testimony when we say that a life lived in Christ is the greatest life there is possible to live. God wants to bless you because in the end when he blesses you, he knows somebody's going to be looking at you saying, wow, how do I get to where they are? And like Israel, you can say, had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, amen. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Ah, oh, you can say, whenever God has been there, the Lord did it, to God be the glory. And somebody says, no, I want to know what happened. And you say, I just told you what happened, that God made a way. I have access because I have favor. I'm walking in his supernatural wisdom. He opened doors for me. Reason you're not getting there is because you're, you're not a member yet. You hadn't paid the dues. Ain't membership or access denied. I go to that same link and God hey, lets me walk right on in because I'm a child of God. I've come through the blood and, and God is on my side. I have favor. Amen. This is what the apostle John meant when he wrote in Third John verses two through four. And he says that, that, that I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. And he goes on to say that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. What truth are they walking in? Those are who are of the opinion that resources are carnal or that being blessed in other dimensions of your life is not necessary or significant or doesn't matter to a sovereign God that you're struggling because he wanted you to struggle. Those who believe like that can't deal with this because the truth that John said he rejoiced in his children walking in was the truth that, beloved, I wish above all things you may prosper and be in health. Amen even as your soul prospers. Tell somebody this is my year to prosper in every area of my life. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that John and Paul both understood the gospel is a holistic message. It's not just pie in the sky when you die in the sweet by and by. God wants to radically change your life. And Christian Tabernacle, this is the word that God gave me because we decided to build his dream. He's getting ready to build ours. Amen. God's going to build the dream of the life you've always wanted to live because you sacrificed to build his dream, he'll build yours.